0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive
1: Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Saturday Night Get-Together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack live in the Rocket Mortgage by Quick Loan Studios. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, get closing costs all online in real time? Rocket can do that for you. Uh, Denver Broncos is our next stop in our continuing saga of looking at teams trying to get over not having a Manning as a quarterback. No one in the league does this year for the first time in a long time, nor did the Denver Broncos. But do they have a quarterback? That will be the first question to our next guest. He covers the Broncos for the Broncos flagship station KOA. Mr. Brandon Cristal here with us on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, BK? I've been great,
0: Jody Mack. You know, it's a while since we've talked, and there's a good chance if you wait about six, seven weeks to talk to me again, uh, I'll have another little one in the world. Oh, you got another one on the way? Another one on the way. Got the two year old. My stepson's almost 14, but uh, yeah, we got another one. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl. So my little boy is going to have a little brother or sister here towards the end of October.
1: Uh, And you're not going to find out uh, sex ahead of time?
0: Same thing we did last time. The okay. out, they said it's a boy. I told my wife we're probably going to move to Europe when he's 14 to work on a soccer game.
1: So we'll <laughs> <laughs> little did you know, a pandemic was coming. It was sure. going to change kind of everything. Sure. The best laid plans of mice, mice and fathers. All right, I know you got pretty good plans laid out in covering that Bronco squad of yours. As I mentioned in the Open, we're doing a little bit of an homage to the Mannings. No Manning quarterback in the league. It's been a long time. But that's the case this year. So we're Touching base with a couple of teams where those Manning brothers had success. It was a couple of years ago that uh, Peyton retired, and the Broncos have been doing a pretty good search ever since, using draft capital and some pretty good money uh, Mr. Boland's to try and replace Peyton Manning. Hasn't really been done yet. Tell us why those last five games of last season make you believe Drew Locke is actually going to be that guy.
0: Well, it's a little bit those last five games where he was Good record-wise, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. Seven touchdowns, a couple of interceptions, and four and one record. Right, you'll feel good about that, uh, no matter who your quarterback is. Right. Uh, but th- there's a few things about the kid that that should excite you, and then being able to to deal with him a little bit in the off season, not as much as normal, like the aforementioned pandemic. Uh, you know that would prevent us, uh, or because of the aforementioned. Uh, Pandemic, we didn't get to interact with him through the spring and summer like we otherwise would. A couple of Zoom calls, but that was about it. Uh, and then get to watch a few weeks of practice, not the full month of preseason plus preseason games. But you saw it in... The, in in the last few games at the end of last year, and then you've seen it on the field this year, he's got an athleticism, he's got a presence, a swag, which both he and his teammates talk about, more his teammates than him, and former teammates and coaches, uh, talk about his presence, his swagger. This is a kid though, Jody Mack, when people ask me about him, and you wonder where does all the confidence come, uh, come from, he was the best high school football player in the Kansas City area. And the best high school basketball player at that same time, he was recruited to play football or hoops, and places like OU and other Big Twelve schools wanted him to go there. His grandpa and his dad played football at Missouri, so he went and played football at Missouri. I would have chosen Kansas, but that's because that's my alma mater. But I understand why he did. Uh, But you know, he ran a four six forty. He can make all the throws. Is he Patrick Mahomes in terms of arm strength? No, because I don't know if anyone is. Maybe it's. I think it's Patrick and Josh Allen in a rare, you know, top tier with those two. And then in your next tier, where guys like Aaron Rodgers in their prime, Russell Wilson, uh, and and some of your other big-arm quarterbacks, he's right there. And I like to compare him to those guys a little bit because of how he's able to use his feet to move, to escape, to pick up first downs, not to run for 70 yards like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. And so this this is a kid that is brimming with confidence, can make all the throws, and has, you know, been the man in just about every room he's ever walked in. And because of that high-level basketball, you know, he's played a lot of high level AAU and you can't just be a uh you know, a well off white kid and, and hold your own there unless you can get along with everybody, right? Um and, and so I think that all of those things kind of have shaped who he is and and so the team is, is on board and I'm certainly uh cautiously optimistic that they finally found the right heir apparent to Peyton Manning.
1: All right, as you said, everywhere he's been for the majority of his uh, life, he's been the man when he walked into a room on either the basketball floor or the football field. Uh, wasn't the case entering last year, but it is the case coming into this year. Sounds to me like the kid can handle it. How much of an advantage does it give him? With those teammates, because now they need to know he is the man. They had to realize he earned being the man with what transpired the last five games of the season last year. How much cred does it get him that he has been anointed the man by the coaching staff?
0: Well, that's the thing about where he is with leadership and and the respect that he's got from these guys in the locker room. And he talked about it early in camp, saying the good thing about getting on the field and playing as much as he did, and having the success that he did, he doesn't have to reprove himself. He has shown that he can fit into the team dynamic uh, with this, you know, group of, of players. Certainly, a, a bulk of them from last year, and lead them to victories, which is ultimately what is going to allow a quarterback to succeed from a leadership standpoint. Uh, obviously, the, and keeping their job—that that part of it too—is is the most important. Is winning games, but it's not the—it's not say the same situation that. Joe Burrow is dealing with, or Baker Mayfield, or guys that are coming in highly heralded out of college. Kyler Murray, obviously. They still have to go out and prove that they can win games and, and be the man. Well, Drew proved that a little bit. So there was none of that in in camp this year in the offseason when he's getting guys together to, to throw outside of, uh, the building, which obviously they weren't allowed to because of the pandemic. And so he, he's got that box checked, right? He has proven to his team that he can lead them to victory. And then he's made enough plays, I think, against a really good defense for them to really believe in what they saw last last uh, December when he got in and and know that that's a building block, and now he's got more weapons around him, and maybe he, he is the guy, and maybe John Elway has finally solved this riddle.
1: Key addition during the offseason is Mr. Judy, who I thought was going to be the first wide receiver off the board. He falls to the Broncos, which I think is a little on the luck side, but a little uh, you take it where you get it. Uh, How do he and Sutton complement each other on the outside? No, they're both very young, but I think that's two very talented targets that the quarterbacks got going for
0: No, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I was right there with you heading into the draft uh, and talking to people at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, and before the draft. Most of the people that I trust or whose opinions I respect had Jerry Judy first, not that that Ruggs and C.D. Lamb aren't going to be good players, uh, because I think they are, and, and even guys that, that went a little later was a really talent rich wide receiver draft, something like Justin Jefferson or the kid from Arizona State, but uh, that's with the Niners now, Brandon Ayuk. But to me, Jerry Judy was the best of, of the group t- talking to evaluators and, and using my own eyes. So for him to fall to 15, and some of it was a little bit of luck because teams in front of the Broncos really wanted tackles. So four tackles went. A couple quarterbacks went, right? Three QBs went. A couple pass rushers go. So all of a sudden, it shakes out that Jerry Judy falls into John Elway's lap, and now you have the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton because Cortland at 6'4", 220-ish, is built like Michael Thomas and is trying to pattern his game after Michael Thomas and ran the same kind of 40s as Michael Thomas. So you've got that guy, and now with Judy you've got – a faster, quicker guy on the other side that runs great routes, catches everything, has been as good as advertised. When he ran against twos and threes, which is really, you know, on defense the fourth, fifth, and sixth corner or seventh, eighth, and ninth corner, he made it look like he was a a man amongst boys in, in the preseason because those guys aren't going to be in the game unless of an injury. And, and so he's just, you know, schooling these kids, uh, even though they're all the same age, if not older, and so I think that he's going to be the perfect complement, and then when you throw in Noah Fant, the the second-year tight end, it's a a really exciting young core uh, to go, they've got some veterans sprinkled in, but guys like Philip Lindsay, you mentioned Sutton, Tim Patrick, who's on the other side, is in his third year. He's going to play some as, as the other big receiver when Judy's in as a, as a slot receiver. Deshaun Hamilton, who was Penn State's all-time leading receiver, he's in year three, and then the other rookie that went in the second round, K.J. Hamler. So they have all these young guys that are all a, a part of this young core to go with Locke, and, and then, you know, if Melvin Gordon's a vet in year five or six, and, and a couple of linemen are vets in year five or six, uh, let you know that this is a young team that is looking to, to build together.
1: Brandon Cristal, uh, Broncos insider for KOA, Broncos flagship station, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. A couple of guys you left out of that offensive mix. Uh, The tight end that they took in the fourth round, Albert O, and that's what I call him. I'm not going (laughs) to attempt to pronounce his last name. But another guy who I thought fell to the Broncos, and they got great, great draft capital and value where they took him. Does that mean that new offensive coordinator Pat Shermer is going to use Two tight end sets, or is he just going to be relief for Fant as the starting tight end?
0: No, I, I well, I think early on, Alberto Albert Okuegwuonam, which is something we've practiced a lot. He <laughs> was good. the fastest tight end at this year's combine, but Noah Fant was a hundredth of a second faster, a four four eight to a four four nine. Now they're both on the Broncos, but Alberto was also Drew Locke's favorite target statistically at Missouri, seventeen touchdowns in 18 games, and he's shown the ability to get open, to use his speed. He's been a little banged up, had a hip issue. I don't expect him to be a big contributor early. And, in fact, when you want to talk about draft capital and draft value – Jake Butt, who was going to be a top-two tight end, he and O.J. Howard were the two best tight ends in 2017, tears his knee in the Michigan Bowl game and has since torn his knee again and has eight catches for 85 yards in his career, is finally healthy and has worked a lot with the ones. Also, they signed Nick Vanette, primarily a blocking tight end, but he has also shown the ability to catch the ball when he's had it thrown to him, maybe more so than he, he had the opportunity in Seattle where they use him primarily as a blocker, and same with in Pittsburgh last year. So I don't think Vanette's a, a fantasy play necessarily, but he might win you a week in daily fantasy if you play him because he's cheap, because he may end up with a touchdown or two because fans getting more attention. But I do think, to, to the other part of your question with Pat Shermer's offense, we've seen him use two tight ends plenty in, in Minnesota and in New York with, with Ingram and company, and I think you'll see that a lot, especially if Cortland Sutton doesn't go Monday with, with the shoulder injury, it, it thankfully was a sprain coming on the heels of the Vaughn Miller injury and not anything worse. Uh, Vic Fangio said uh, Saturday after practice that they're going to give him the uh, easiest test and the oldest test in the book for a shoulder injury. If he can do 10 jumping jacks, he can play. <laughs> so we'll see how that shoulder sprain goes. But I do think they will use a lot of two tight end sets, uh, a lot of one back, two tight end stuff. Um, And even when they spread it out, you might see two tight ends on the field in in five receiver formations if they come out in an obvious passing situation with no backs. You don't see that too often. But they love their tight ends here, and they actually kept a fifth kid named Andrew Beck who's a tight end fullback, and he's the lone fullback they use in, in those formations. Uh, but, yeah, so they have five tight ends and seven receivers. They're giving uh, Drew Locke a lot of weapons. But, but, no, I do think you'll see Alberto at some point. And when he and Fan are on the field together, good luck trying to figure out with Sutton and Judy who you're doubling because I don't think you can double anybody. And yeah, if you do, someone no else will make you pay.
1: Uh, And, oh, by the way, we haven't even gotten last uh, offense point. We haven't gotten to the backfield yet, where Lindsey was very good last year. And you add Melvin Gordon coming over from a divisional rival addition and subtraction in the same move. How are they going to share the workload between those two?
0: So I think Gordon will be your first down back, if you will. I do think he'll definitely be the short yardage back. He's a little bit better in pass protection, if not a lot better, but it seems like Lindsey's getting better. He's a little better of a route runner and a pass catcher. So I don't think they're going into the game where, where Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio have sat down and said, all right, Melvin is getting this percentage, and then we'll mix in Philip to this percentage. I think that it is going to kind of be by feel. I think there's certain plays that they will have out there that they like for one guy more than the other. You can't be too obvious with that because it's not a defense. We'll obviously know how to diagnose it and scheme against it. But I don't think it's okay. Melvin is getting 63 snaps, and Philip is getting 27. I don't think that that is written down anywhere. Uh, I think that you'll see Philip probably a lot more between the 20s, though. Uh, so if you're backed up against the the end zone, I do think you'll see Melvin. And like I said, he's a sure yardage back. I don't know from a fantasy standpoint. I guess Melvin Gordon is a little more of an appeal because I think he'll get those goal line touches. But Philip Lindsay is one of the fastest backs in the league with a four 40 time that he's proven in his first two years that, that he uses on the field. Right? He made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Gordon's got two Pro Bowls. This may quietly be, and it may not be quiet for too long, because uh, they're ending the the weekend on Monday Night Football. Uh, the best two back tandem in the league with, with these two guys with Pro Bowls on their resume. So, again, two more guys to make Drew Locke's life a little easier and open up throwing lanes.
1: Alright, let's flip it over to the defense. Uh, AJ Boye in, Chris Harris out. To me, that's a little bit of a drop-off. Agree or disagree?
0: I, I do agree fundamentally, right? Chris has gone to, to four Pro Bowls and is you know one of those guys that likes to talk about the Hall of Fame and one of my favorites, favorite people to deal with um, on a personal level, but he was better when he worked in the slot, and he was considered the best slot defender in in football for a lot of years. Certainly by Pro Football Focus. Last year, he drew the assignment as the as the guy to go follow the number one receiver for every team, and some weeks were better than others. But in Buffalo, he bit on it an out and up, and John Brown got him. And you know, he says post game, I'm just trying to make a play. And he had he had some weeks where where he it's not that he was overmatched. He was just having to follow Tyree Kill around for the entire day, which is a tough assignment. And so. Uh, Boyer's mostly going to play on the outside, uh, on the left. He's not going to travel. They get Bryce Callahan back, who's a guy that's kind of built like Chris Harris, and he was set to play last year, made $7 million, missed all 16 games because of the screw that he had surgically repaired in his last uh, last month with the Bears was hurt early, so he never got on the field. But he knows Vic Fangio's defense inside and out. and then he, And he can play in the slot, which is where he's considered really, really good, as well as outside. They drafted Skip Michael Jamudia, who one, two ten 210 out of Iowa uh, and played in defense similar to what Vic Fangio likes to run. He's going to end up on the field here sooner than later. He may not play a lot on Monday, but they took him in the third round to play. Uh, so is A.J. Boye an upgrade over Chris Harris in-, in a vacuum? Probably not. But for what they're trying to do with this defense, it may end up being a wash.
1: Good way to explain it. All right, Bradley Chubb on the bounce back. How's he looked?
0: He's looked good. He, he certainly is dealt with soreness, and they've tried really hard to manage that. In fact, last week, so not this past week, but uh, the final week of preseason, Vic just pulled him out of practice all week. They had a practice at the stadium on that Saturday. He was kind of sore. We could see it for the handful of us actually get to watch it. And then he just sat out the whole week. But then he was back this uh, this week and seems to be full go, in quotes. I don't think he will play... 70 snaps on Monday. I think he'll play more like 35, and that puts him in a tough spot because we haven't really talked about it yet. I'm sure it's come up throughout the week, certainly on CBS and, and everywhere else where they're talking football. Vaughn Miller, who I still think is the team's best player until proven otherwise, is now likely done for the year. He had successful surgery on Friday. Uh, with the IR rules, uh, you know there aren't very good many good things about COVID, but one of them is that the league changed it where you can bring as many guys as you need to off IR. So if he's ready to go in December and they've already taken two or three guys off IR, unlike previous years. Maybe we see Von Miller at the end of the year. uh, But no Von Miller is is tough because last year he had a bit of a down year because I think he was planning on Bradley Chubb uh, playing that Khalil Mack role, and then he had to play it in the defense uh, as the Sam linebacker. So Chubb's back to doing that, uh, and I think over time he says everything feels good. He's had to battle a little tendonitis, but that he's on track and he thinks – you know, In the next few weeks, he'll feel close as close to 100% as he can. He's dealt with this before. Same injury happened on the same calendar day in his junior year of high school uh, that he had, had it last year, September 27th, against the Jags. But I think that we'll see a top-five player by the end of the year. He's Thank drafted you. in the top five. That's what I mean. So he will live up to that draft
1: position by the end of the year. Understood what you were getting at. All right, and you answered my next question about uh, the Miller injury. So I will instead ask you, what is the strong suit of this Bronco defense, and does it play well week one with a guy like Derrick Henry as your number one must-stop guy on the opposite side of the ball?
0: Well, I was going to say the pass rush was the strength and Vaughn Miller's healthy, right, because you have Miller and Chubb, plus you add Jarrell Casey who comes over from these Titans after nine years there where he was beloved in the community and a Walter Payton man of the year uh, for the team a year ago or in 2018, and, and a five-time Pro Bowl or gone to the last five Pro Bowls. Uh, and so you would have had a, a heck of a pass rush with him inside and those other two. I still think they will be solid in the pass rush, but now with, without, without Vaughn there, the strength is in the secondary. You have one of the better safety duos in the league. Justin Simmons hasn't missed a snap in three years. He was second-team All-Pro. You can remember this conversation when March rolls around and he becomes the highest-paid safety in football, uh, which is likely to happen. So you have Simmons, and then you have Kareem Jackson, who played corner most of his career, comes over. They finally decide to make him a safety last year. He ends up as the second Pro Bowl alternate. So with those guys... The aforementioned corners Boyer and Callahan, and and then the rest of the young guys that'll mix in. I think, and that's usually what you want to see in a Vic Fangio defense. It really does kind of revolve around the DBs making plays, and the guys up front are kind of interchangeable and fast linebackers. One other name that you probably got to keep an eye on because he had such a big year. In a, it was it was a little quiet though. But Alexander Johnson, who was one of the best linebackers in college football at Tennessee, had off the field issues that kept him out of football for years while he was dealing with a sexual assault case. Uh, so literally three years out of football after his junior year where he would have been a um, top-15 kind of pick. He was the best second-year player, according to Pro Football Focus, last year, started 12 games for the Broncos, and, and Alfred Williams, who I work with here, who won a couple Super Bowls, College Football Hall of Famer, and played with some really good linebackers like Bill Romanowski and is really good friends with Al Wilson. He said that there hasn't been a linebacker like Al Wilson uh, or Alexander Johnson. Since Al Wilson, he's that guy. He may actually be more talented because he's six three and, and 225 and can really run. 230 can really run and can really tackle. But the strength is a secondary.
1: Name, we'll keep an eye out for it. Thanks for uh, throwing us that one. Last thing, with an added team in each conference to make the postseason this year, is it playoffs or bust for the Broncos if they go nine and seven, but uh, come up on the outside looking in because of tiebreaker? Are they still going to slap an uh, advancement le- label on this season? What are the expectations for the Broncos?
0: Well, if you ask John Elway, and, and he only knows one way to to go about this, and you ask the Bolin family, who are obviously now in theory, running the team, although Joe Ellis is technically running the team. But that's Joe Ellis, the team president, who's been here for nearly four decades. You know, Just making the playoffs isn't even good enough around here. And so, uh, especially with what's going on in Kansas City, and as good as they are, and if you were going to ask me to to pick a division winner, it would be hard not to pick Patrick Mahomes and company, especially with what you saw Thursday night and what I think we'll see all year, barring significant injuries uh, to their roster. Uh, But I do think that they are a playoff team, is a nine and seven season, which is two more wins from seven and nine, uh, an improvement probably. But part of it will be how does that happen, and what do injuries look like, and how do they manage uh, COVID issues? You know, if that ends up hitting any teams or hitting their team specifically, how, how do they navigate that? So I think you know you, you can't just say it's it's not necessarily a black and white um, answer. How does Drew Lock look? Does he throw twenty interceptions, or does he have twenty four touchdowns and ten interceptions? Uh, but you know, they lose because of fluky things or, or whatever. Uh, I think that it, around here, they're planning on making the playoffs. That goes without saying. And then once you're in the tournament, right, anything can happen. Uh, but they they do know that the Super Bowl trophy sits about 500 miles east of us here, down I-70, and and they're not about to just let control the division uh, be wrestled away by the Broncos or any of the other teams o- over here. Obviously, the Broncos won it five years in a row with Tebow that one crazy year and then four years in a row with Peyton. So now the Chiefs uh, are looking to kind of duplicate that, and they have in the, against the division. Um, but I do like to point out that in 16 years of John Elway's uh, helmet, the quarterback position here, the Broncos only won the AFC West seven times, so less than 50%. Uh, no, they did go to five Super Bowls and won two. <laughs> but to just say that, hey, here you go, Chiefs, Here, Patrick Mahomes have the next decade and a half's worth of division crowns. Well, the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers aren't just going to let that happen. Doesn't mean that they can necessarily do anything about it. I mean, they're, they're going to have to go out on the field and, and prove it, that they've built the team. But the Broncos think that they have, on both sides of the ball, built a team that it will at least compete with the Chiefs. And they played them tough at times the last couple of years here in the Mahomes era. But they they know that's the gold standard and and that's what they're gunning for. Uh, but yeah, so I know that was wasn't the best answer. It was a long answer, but wasn't necessarily the best answer to is nine and seven a step in the right direction? I guess ask me uh, on January fourth, the day after the season ends, and I'll
1: let you know. We may get you on January 4th. Hopefully it's for a uh, preview of a playoff game coming up. We set up this interview so that BK could put his little one down next year or next time we get him on. It's going to have to be even earlier because he's (laughs) going to have two he's got to deal with. We appreciate you dealing with us tonight, Brandon. Always a pleasure, my friend. Glad you're staying healthy and happy.
0: Back at you, Jody Mack. You're the best. Uh, I'll talk to you here soon, and happy football season.
1: He covers the Broncos for KOA. That's the Broncos flagship station. Uh, Mr. Brandon Cristal here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, timeout coming. Calls after that, 855-212-4227. Keep it right here on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We'll be right back. back.